Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. Last night, we launched our first Saturday church. I like it already. It was awesome last night, and it's awesome this morning. I feel like it's just a continuous flow of God's spirit. Like the weekend belongs to Jesus. That's an awesome thing. You know, so it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here and help us to keep spreading the word. Saturday, 6 p.m., Sunday, 10 a.m. I bet some people are coming to church right now. Um, but I'm glad you made it on time. If you have your Bible, I want to I wanna read a verse to you that's going to be our main verse for the next few weeks as we get into this new series called Fearless. Fearless is God's will that you live free from fear. Amen. And so our main verse is going to come out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7. If you don't have a Bible, there's a giant one behind me that you can follow. But it says, for, for God. Again, I'm telling you, when I read stuff like that, I just wish I was, in the, I was from the south and I, I was black. I can say, for God. <laughs> <laughs> Has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I want you to internalize this verse, this verse. I want you to memorize it. I want you to pray this verse. I want you to become familiar with this verse. I want this verse to be resounding in your soul as life brings whatever it brings your way. That you can say, but God did not give me a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I want you to say this verse out loud with me today. Ready? On three. We're going we're gonna to say it together like we mean it. Ready? On three. One, two, three, four. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Come on, somebody, make some noise this morning. You know, in recent events, kind of shifted the way I wanted to do this series. I was going to do current events in a few weeks, but, but in light of what just took place, I think it's important that we start here. I want to, I want to, I want to talk head, head on into the situation that just happened because all week long, uh, you've been hearing people say, where is God? Like, how, how can this stuff happen, especially in a church? Like, like what's the point of praying if in the church uh, these things could happen? And we're living in some very difficult times where things are happening that makes absolutely no sense. And so so I want to I want to dive right into this topic this morning, and uh, and in order for me to, to to hopefully shed some light on recent events, I got to take you back to biblical days because the point of scriptures is to show us that God has never stopped working, that God is still faithful, that God is still on the throne, that 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 listen. Sometimes the enemy will 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 show his really ugly head, but but Jesus said that he crushed his head, that he has defeated him, and he and he's for us, and and we don't have to live in fear. You have to understand this, church, that when you read the Bible, majority of what you read was written during very difficult times. 
See, see, the Bible was not written in joyful times. Majority of what you read was, 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 was put down because of troubled times. The fact that he says God does not give us a spirit of fear, why? Because there's things happening that, that sometimes makes you want to creep back into your little hole and, 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 and call it a day and not try anything and not attempt anything. But he comes back to remind you, no, no, that's not who God created you to be. Matter of fact, we thrive in these moments. We are better in these moments. We, we raise up to the moments that, that, that brings the best out of us. Right? And so when you read stuff like this, understand the culture. Understand what was happening was not anything easy. See, the difference between then and now is because nowadays we have social media and we have 24-hour news cycle. So we're thinking the worst is the worst of the worst of the worst. But the reality is there's always been this tension in the world. There's always been this, this, this struggle between good and evil in the world. Listen, back in our parents' day, grandparents' day, if an earthquake took place in Nepal, they wouldn't hear it for like a month because they didn't have the new cycle that we have today. People have been slaughtered for, for years in other places that we don't, you don't hear about. Listen, the world has always been in this tension, right? For example, if you read the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, one of the most you know, challenging books to read. It was written during a very difficult time for the believer. Do you understand this? That it was written to actually encourage the believers in the middle of the worst persecution that they had ever experienced. I got to paint the picture for you a little bit so you can fully understand where I'm coming from and how does that relate to us today. See, in the book of Revelation, it was... The time where the Roman Empire ruled the world. If you know history, you know Romans pretty much had every country under their will. Right? They, they pretty much ruled the entire world of, 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 that, of, that, of that day. And, and they had an emperor at this moment named Nero Caesar. And this, and this man was ruthless. And what happened was in the middle of his reign... Rome experienced one of the worst fires that they have experienced. It took over the empire and it was spreading. And, and, and so they begin to ask questions. What happened? How come Rome, they're supposed to be blessed, feels like it's under a curse? Now, you have to understand, again, I hope you track with me today. I got to give you a little bit of a church in, 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 in history here. Is that in the Roman days, they believed in over a thousand gods. Okay. They had a God for everything. You had to sacrifice to these gods. They believe in these gods. It was a lot of superstition that if you want life to go well with you, you got to make sure you're pleasing all the different gods. And so that's the Roman mindset. Now, in the meantime, here's Christianity beginning to really flourish in the middle of all of this. Christianity began to take root. Like people were embracing Jesus and walking with Jesus and loving Jesus and saying, man, you guys' religion is different. Like you actually love God. You actually love people. Like you actually are for real about what you do. And so more and more Romans were coming into the fold. They were starting to embrace Jesus and start to walk with Jesus. And then this fire take place in Nero in his superstition mind. And, and again, in a spiritual battle that we're in, he interpret the fire to be caused by the Christians. Because here's how he interpreted it. He said, because the Christians won't bow down to our gods, because the Christians won't sacrifice to our gods, it is their fault that we have lost the favor of the gods. 
That was the mindset that this man had. Now, you have to understand this, church. This is where things get a little bit interesting is what drives a person to think that way? See, every time tragedy hits, you're hearing two things in our society, right? You're hearing gun control and you're hearing mental health, right? Both have some validity to it. But at the end of the day, gun control is not going to change someone's heart. Gun control is not going to change a criminal's heart. Gun control, what are we going to do? We're going to ban cars because terrorists are starting to use cars to ram into people. What are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to ban scissors. We're going to ban knives. We're going to ban everything else that people use because why? It's not so much about gun control. It's about what's happening in the heart. Like what is driving people to certain actions? Now, obviously, in my opinion, I don't think every gun should be out there. That's, that's another conversation. But the, but the reality is, at the end of the day, if someone is motivated by evil, they're going to find a way to do it. The first murder in the Bible was Cain killed his brother Abel with a rock. And God spoke to Cain before he did it. He said, listen, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to master you, but you must master it. Right? There's a spiritual battle going on, and Nero was just a vessel that was used by demonic spirits to bring this persecution to the Christians. Understand, church, there's more that meets the eye that's going on each and every day. Every time we talk about all these natural things, but we forget there's a supernatural side of life. Like, the problem with us is, as the nation is becoming more and more secularized, we're looking for secular answers that can only come through spiritual solutions that we need a revival. We need an awakening. That's the struggle. But we say mental health, and I agree that we do have some issues with mental health, but did you know that our nation is the most medicated nation in the world? We're the most medicated nation in the world. We're trying to numb people out of things that only the Spirit of God can set you free from. That's the reality. This is what we're dealing with. Right? And so this man, he's one of the many that the enemy will use to try to wipe out the will of God. Okay? A lot of times, you know, people get caught up on the, 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 the little details of, of the book of Revelation. But you understand that the book was written for the specific time. But about not just what was happening then, but what was about to happen. And so this man, driven by this spirit, begins to persecute the church. Begins to kill every Christian that he can find. Did you know that in Nero's day, they crucified hundreds of people? Not one or two. See, the cross was their, their understanding of the death penalty. Like, the, the point of the cross was, we're going to crucify you publicly so the word can get out. Don't mess with us. That was the point. And they said, you could walk through Rome and see hundreds of people crucified. And at this time, he was making a point. If you're a Christian, if you believe in this God, listen, this is what's going to happen to you. But what's incredible, fascinating to me about each time the church gets persecuted, the church grows even bigger and better and larger. See, if, if the enemy's plan is to scare us by going into a church and shoot it, listen, that plan backfires every single time because God's people raises up one more time and pushes forward and believes for more. And more people say, that's the God. That's the God of the universe. That's the God I want to serve. That's the God that defeated death and, and he came back from the dead. That's the God that I'm going to stick with. That's why we tell the devil, not today. Not today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow's book too. 
The day after day is book two. I'm with Jesus every single day. Crucify them. Throw them into coliseums. People say things are bad now. Did you know that in the Roman days, their, their version of entertainment was to see people kill each other live. Their coliseums would be filled with people. Thousands of people watching people kill each other. And they would do it for fun. They would throw Christians in there with no weapons, with nothing to defend themselves. And people would cheer. You're talking about perverse perspective. They didn't go to the movies. They watched movies. People would slaughter each other. The stuff you watch in Gladiator, that was true stuff that the Romans would do. They would throw them into lions. And people would laugh. See, Every once in a while, I believe, God pulls back the curtains to say, look, how depraved the human mind is without me. Look how depraved the human mind is without me. Look how far the human mind would go if they're not following me. In the days of Noah was the same thing. The Bible says they were killing people and they would make fun of Noah for building an ark and for believing that God was coming. And Jesus said this, it will be just like in the day of Noah that the same things are going to be happening that in the middle of that, the judgment of God will come, church. This is the battle that we're in. It's a spiritual warfare that we're in. But in the middle of this, Jesus shows up and speaks to one of his disciples named John. You see, at that time, every disciple was paying with their lives. Did you know that today in some nations, it's illegal to be Christians? 21st century. Did you know that Russia just passed the law that if you evangelize people in public, you can go to jail? Did you know that in China, you can go to jail for preaching the gospel? Why is that? Is that mental health? Is that secularization? No, there's a spiritual battle that's happening, blinding the minds and hearts of people to see the goodness of God. But what's incredible is those places that have the worst laws against Christians, Christians flourish the most. See, can I just tell you something today, church? The worst thing for the Christian is not dying. The worst thing for the Christian is not living in Jesus' will. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. That's why death won't scare us. Because we know to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's what scripture tells us. That's why this morning we can stand here and profess this with all the faith in the world. Because we're not talking about an elusive thing. We're talking about a real thing. We're talking about a real God in real time that continues to heal, restore, bless, save people in Korea, in China, in Iran, in, in every part of the world. Someone today is declaring the name of Jesus all over this world. You can't stop it. You can't stop the church. You can't stop the people of God. In the middle of that, Jesus comes and reveals this revelation to John. He says, John, I want to let you know what's going on right now and what is to come. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. John was isolated. He was, he was, he was taken to this island, Patmos. Why? Because they were like, maybe this way you'll stop preaching this Jesus. This is what society will do to you. They'll continue to try to outcast you. They'll continue to try to put you aside. They'll continue to try to think, no, you're the crazy one. Oh, no, you don't make sense. But guess what? The more they do that, God's like, I'm going to find you exactly where you are. I'm going to speak to you exactly where you are. Don't let society define you. I define you. I'm the God that created you. I'm the God that, that is for you. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? He comes to him. I love that about Jesus. He came to John and gave him the greatest revelation ever. 
of what was happening and what was to come. And Jesus said this to John right in the beginning. Watch this. He says this. When I saw, this is John saying, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. Because when you see Jesus in his full glory, you're going to bow down. That's the reality. See, a lot of people just know church. They just know religion. But when you see Jesus in all his fullness of his glory, you have no choice. Your knees are going to buckle. And you're going to tremble. I don't care how big, bad boss you think you are. When you see Jesus, you're going to fall down to the ground. But watch this. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Did you know, don't be afraid is in the Bible 365 times. One for every day of the week. God is saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm for you. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and grave. Write down what you have seen. Both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. That's what the book of Revelation is. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you a revelation, John, of why this is happening. But I also want to give you a revelation of the things to come. The reason why the book of Revelation is full of images and metaphors and, and, and all these different things that you're like, man, I don't know what, what seal means. I don't know what trumpet means. I don't know what beast is. Is because, listen, a prophetic word is always filled with images to help you understand what the spiritual battle is all about. Like when you watch a movie, like Lord of the Rings, for example. Lord of the Rings, I don't know if you understand this, but was written by J.R. Tolkien, which is a Christian writer. He was trying to help us understand this is the spiritual warfare that we're in every single day. Like that's the battle that we're facing every single day. And so these images, is, they're all metaphors for things that are actually happening. Yeah. Let me give you an example. When the people get all messed up over. When you see the word 666 in Revelation, it already took place. That's the Hebrew word for the Nero Caesar, the emperor. He's saying 666, that's the guy. That's the Antichrist. That's the one that's trying to wipe out the universe. Listen, every four years people think the Antichrist is Barack Obama, is George Bush, is Donald Trump. But the reality is the Antichrist was Nero. Now, the Bible says there are spirits of the Antichrist. There's more than one person that has that perspective. And if you pay attention to history, Hitler was another one. Mussolini was another one. Stalin was another one. Right? They come here and there. The problem is we try to interpret the Bible through American eyes. We forget God loves the world. Like, we think it's about America. That's our struggle in America. We think everything is American. We think Jesus is American. We think he spoke English. We think he had, you know, blue eyes and beautiful shampooed hair. And he spoke perfect English. No, Jesus from the Middle East. Most likely you look like a Cape Verdean, you know. Just say. But listen. The main message of the book of Revelation was this. There's a warfare. But you will prevail. You just have to stay faithful. Because God is faithful. He said, watch what God is going to do if you just remain faithful. Fear is a liar. Why? Because all the enemy does is lie. 
He's a father of lies. All he's trying to do is lie to you that you're not good enough, that you can't make it, that this thing is going to happen. That you better to say, listen, these are the moments when you hear those voices, you got to say, not today. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I believe in a God that can do exceedingly above. I can ask or think. He says, hang in there. Tell the church to hang in there. Begins to speak over the church of that moment. And he speaks over us today. You better hang in there. Stay faithful. Stay rooted. Stay grounded. And watch the deliverance of the Lord. Because in a few years, you know what happened in a few years? That empire crumbled. I don't have such good news for us. Every empire crumbles. Every empire has an end. But here's what Jesus said. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Things come and go, but God's will will always, will always remain. And then on top of it, you know what happened a few years later? The empire that had over a thousand gods declared, go read history, declared in the 300s that Christianity is the number one religion that we're going to follow. God is faithful. That's why I don't give up on this nation. I believe there is, this nation is rooted and grounded in Christianity. It, it, all, all it needs is Christians who will say, if my people who humble themselves and call them by my name and, and, and continue to turn away from their wicked ways, God's going to return to this place. He's going to heal this place. He's going to bless this place. Because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So don't be afraid. My goodness, he even talks about those who died for their faith. He even speaks to that. If you keep reading the book of Revelation, in chapter 6, he says this about those who have been crucified, those who Nero had killed, 666 Nero. Look what he says to them. He said, look, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred. Martyr means killed for their faith, for the word of God, and for being faithful in their, t- for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they've done to us? Once in a while, you're like, God, how long are you going to let this thing go on? But watch this, look. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. I believe last week, 26 more people would join to the group of martyrs. They were given a white robe, and now they're home. The worst thing is not dying, church. The worst thing is not living in the fullness of God's will for our lives. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing. The earth is the Lord's, but the full redemption has not yet come. You see, people have been, sometimes will say, yeah, you guys have been saying that. When will it happen? Well, the Bible even tells us about that. Another disciple who was, who was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Christ. Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times when the Holy Spirit came upon him, He preached the gospel for the first time. And in one message, over 3,000 people got saved. Peter, the man who would be the first pastor to lead the church, you know what he said? He said, don't you realize that God continues to delay the day of judgment because he is 
This is, listen, God is slow to anger, but he's quick to show mercy. He says he delays that day because he's making room for one more person to come into the fold. He's making room for one more person to come in. Every day, God holds back his wrath and he holds back his, his anger because he has reasons to be angry. He has reasons to be upset. In the days of Noah, he said, I've had enough with the man that I created and he's breaking my heart. But he's like, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to send my son to die for the sins of the world. I'm going to continue to show them that I'm for you. Why don't you turn to me? Why don't you come to me? Why don't you come to me? Why don't you come to me? Every day. Every day, God puts out the word. But not every day, people listen. He says he holds back his wrath for the sake of one more. We ought to thank God for his unfailing mercy and love and grace and forgiveness and kindness. Because it it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. And you know, Peter goes on to say, but don't you realize that one day is like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years is just like one day. God doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. And so the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus to come and die for the sins of the world. And he says in the fullness of time, not my time, not your time, Jesus is coming back again to restore the world back to God, back to what it's supposed to be in the first place. And so this week people are asking, why do we pray? Why do we pray then? Well, I want to I shed some light on that. Right before Jesus went to the cross, he said this to us. And I love this because I love the honesty behind it. Jesus said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. I love the honesty that Jesus gave us. He said, listen, you're not home yet. In this world, you're going to have these things. In this world full of evil and sin and and, and unrighteousness and spiritual battle, people are going to walk into a church and take lives. But guess what? I've overcome the world. Those people are not not dead. They're with me in this moment because those who die with me will live forever. Will live for eternity. And they're going to come back with me to reign this earth. He He said, listen, it's when heaven and earth collide then you'll be home. So why do we pray? I want to answer that question today. There's many reasons why we pray. But I want to give you some practical reasons why we still pray in the middle of all this stuff. Number one reason, write this down. We don't pray so bad things don't happen. We pray because bad things do happen. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That we live in the same universe as people who rape, kill, and murder. But one day God says gonna, he's the one that's going to separate. Vengeance is the Lord's, not ours. So we don't pray that nothing happens to us. Matter of fact, if we, if we think we only pray for something that nothing happened to us, our theology is frail. You have a frail God who only works when things go well. We need a God that is God in the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Job said it. Listen, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I pray to him. I don't pray to my circumstances. I don't pray to my situations. Number two, why we pray? We pray to keep an eternal perspective because we're limited in our understanding. We're limited in the way that we see life. See, we only have a limited perspective of the bigger picture. See, God in his sovereignty, he sees the whole thing. He sees past, present, and future. We only see right now. 
And so we don't see that, that, that God has been using everything in history. Why? Because it's not about history. It's about his story. It is God's story from the beginning. He created the world from the beginning. He created humanity from the beginning. And he had, he, he's the one that made the ball rolling from the beginning. Don't you think God already knows how this thing is going to end? Read the end of the book of Revelation. It's going to end well. Trust me. God's going to come back. He's going to restore the world. I got a spoiler alert. Read the last chapter. We win in the end. We win in the end. I'm that guy that ruins the movie. But if you don't know the movie by now. It's rigged. We win. But we're limited in our perspective. That's why we pray. Number three, we pray to get God's heart. You see, we get so consumed with ourselves. We get so consumed with paying bills. We're so consumed with, with, with who, where, you know, where our kids are going to go to school. And we miss the fact that we're here to honor him. And if we honor him, our families are going to go well. Our kids are going to go well. Don't you understand life's greatest revelation? I hope you write this down. Don't you get it? It's not about you. The more you make it about you, the more miserable you are. The more you make it about you, the more fearful you are. Why? Because now you're on. I don't know about you. I'm not the center of my universe. Listen, I'm a little speck in the grand scheme of things. Once in a while, you need to look up the sky and see how vast this place is. Once in a while, go look at science and see how many galaxies are out there. We're still finding planets. And here we are thinking life is about me. I got news for us. It's not about you. It's about God and his will and his purpose and his reality. And if you're not blessing God with your words right now, it's because you're still thinking it's about you tell your neighbor i'm sorry you're cool but it ain't about you it ain't about you i'm telling you what a great revelation that will set you free because either you're on or god's on and when i'm on i'm tight when i'm on i'm I'm afraid when i'm on i am worried when i'm on i am frustrated i can always tell when i'm on my wheels are grinding you ever feel your wheels grinding on the inside? And you're like, you sure with everybody? And you're still trying to pretend like you, you, you got it figured out? And you try to act all cool, but you stress out of your mind? Right? That's not God's will. That's why we pray. We got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> Little hammer time for you this morning. Can't touch this. Please write this down. Number four, we pray because God may not change every situation, but he changes us to deal with every situation. The greatest moments in our lives have come through pain. Show me one moment in your life that didn't come through some kind of pain. You see, pain is not necessarily God's will, but God will use pain to mold us and shape us. C.S. Lewis, an atheist who became a believer, said it wasn't through pain that I met God. I had ideas about God, but it was in my pain, losing his wife to cancer. He said, pain became God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Sometimes only pain can make us realize what's, what matters. It's only pain that makes us look up. It's pain that makes us get to our knees. It's pain that makes us cry out, God, where are you? If you're God, I need you right now. Pain is your best friend sometimes. You may not like it right now, but you can look back and say, thank God for that pain. 
thank God. If it wasn't for that pain, I would not know what reality is. I would not know what truth is. I would not know what mercy is. I would not know what grace is. I would not know what provision is if there wasn't for pain. The last one is, this is so important, number five, church, we pray, listen to me, we pray not to become cold, cynical, and numb. The enemy will love for the church to become cold, indifferent, cynical, skeptic, judgmental. We pray to not become part of the darkness because it's easy to become part of the darkness. It's easy to become part of the problem. Don't you know that Jesus on the cross was praying? What did he pray? Over and over again. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, the Greek says he kept saying it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because sometimes you have to keep declaring the reality of God over the darkness because here he is trying to save the world and the world is mocking, spitting, making fun and doing all kinds of things and he has to retract himself to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Church, we have to learn to pray and let go of the bitterness, let go of the anger, let go of the mistakes, let go of the struggles because those things will love to take over you. Part of healing is to forgive. Some of us, we're in a prison right now because we haven't forgiven. And every time you see the person you haven't forgiven, you get all tight again. Some of us are anxious about life because we haven't forgiven. See, we don't, we don't pray so things don't happen to us. We pray because things do happen to us. But it's in those moments that we get to be like Christ. It's in those moments that we can understand there's more power in forgiving than holding on. There's more power in releasing control of a situation, of a person, of a thing that happened to you. Because those things can become a crush in your, in your walk. Listen, someone broke your heart. Father, forgive them. They know now what they do. You got to move on with your life. Stop holding on to that hurt. Stop holding on to that disappointment. Stop holding on. Forgive them. And move on. I'm telling you, it's a big battle to not become numb. It's a big battle to not accept abnormal things as if they are normal. We had two shootings in the last couple of months, and we move on like it's normal. We shouldn't move on, church. We need to be praying for this nation. We need to be praying for healing, for restoration, for revival to take place again. Father, forgive this nation. Don't you know God said to Abraham, talk to me about Sodom and Gomorrah. My God. And he says, how many righteous do you have there? I pray that we can say, Lord, we are the righteous ones of South Coast. Father, forgive this nation. Forgive this region. Have mercy on this region. Listen, Paul is one of my favorite dudes in the Bible. Wrote majority of the New Testament. He's the one that wrote to Timothy. I'll get to Timothy next week. Why he wrote that. But he also wrote to a church in Philippi. What's amazing to me about Paul is Paul never allowed his circumstance to get the best of him. See, you would think Paul writes his stuff in a Starbucks sipping latte because it's so inspirational. Gives me the butterflies. But majority of Paul's writings come from difficult places. 
The book of Philippians was written from behind bars. Did you know Paul went to jail just for preaching the gospel? Everybody is innocent in, in jail. Paul was actually innocent. Oh, you didn't get that, okay. But look what he says to them, and he says to us today. Look, he says this from behind bars. Let everyone see that you, consider, that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. That was Paul's confession. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And he goes on. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Come on, somebody. It's good stuff. Well, what blows my mind is he's in a jail cell. We're talking a Roman jail cell where sewers were run under the feet of these prisoners. Which tells you, you don't have to be a prisoner to your circumstances when you know the God who holds all circumstances. That's the, part, that's the perspective we need to have. You can live a fearless life in the middle of fear. See, the tagline for this series is living in peace in a chaotic world. The world could be going to hell, but you don't have to go to hell with it. I love that about Paul. He's in jail, but he's not confined to his jail. Because the worst jail is not your circumstance. The worst jail is in your mind. It's in your mind. Every day, free people walk every day in jails in their minds. One of the greatest revelations that Martin Luther King Jr. ever wrote was from behind bars. Go read it. One of the modern day prophets who refused to be confined to what he was experiencing. Because I don't know if you know this, racism is a spiritual battle. He wrote the greatest speech ever from where? From the perspective of Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. was just pretty much, he crafted Sermon on the Mount for this generation. And he spoke like a prophet to say, this is what this nation is supposed to be all about. He refused to be confined to what he saw. A prophet will always speak about the things to come. He says, one day my kids will live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the content of their color, but the content of their character. He's speaking from a Jesus perspective. That's a prophet. That's a prophet. That's why John, he's speaking from a prophet perspective. He's saying, we're here, but we're not going to stay here. Because the best days are ahead of us. Can you say amen? amen? So as I end today, listen. These scriptures give you four powerful things about living a fearless life. I want to recommend a book to you that will go well with this series. It's called Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado, which is a pastor in San Antonio, Texas. Anxious for nothing. He takes these verses and he wrote a book about it. And he gives you these four things. He made this acronym about, listen, yes, things are chaotic, but you can live a calm life. 
And he says, if you take those verses, here's what you get. Here's what you get with those verses. Look, number one, you learn to celebrate God's goodness. Because he's good no matter what. He's good no matter what. Number, the second thing is, A, you learn to ask God for help. He said, don't worry about a thing. Pray about everything. The third thing is this. You learn to leave your concerns with him. They're in better hands than in yours. You're either on or God is on. And then the last thing you say, listen, you learn to meditate on good things. See, it's not that good things are not happening. It's that you need to meditate on them. You have to purposely meditate on what's good. Did you know that your mind is not good or bad? Is what you feed it. Every single day, you have to make up your mind that I'm going to feed my mind what's good, what's honorable, what's true, what's praiseworthy, what is excellent. That's up to me. It's up to me. Guys, you can come up. It's up to me. Church, listen to me as I end. Here's an easy exercise to do every day. Don't watch the news. Don't watch the news. Why? The news is fear-based. They have to keep your attention to sell commercials. They have to keep your attention so you can keep going back. The, 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 the click and bait thing, don't click. You, would ne- you won't believe what happened. I don't need to know. I'm moving on. I'm telling you, we live in a fear-based society. They only want to keep you in fear. They shouldn't call it news. They should call it Welcome to bad news. When was the last time you watched good news on any network? And here are the networks fighting with each other for ratings. They don't care about you. Who cares about ratings? And here they are bickering with one another and lying and picking and choosing what they want to show you. Have you noticed? Everything today is breaking news. Everything. Breaking news. Uh, but right after this. Yeah. And you come back. Breaking news. Uh, this cat just did an amazing dance. Yeah. Everything is breaking news. Yeah. Do you want to know the latest news? Go right here to his word. Go right here. Go right here. God's word is so powerful, it already told you tomorrow's news. Yeah, they're all about breaking news. Well, I got good news for you. It's already been broken. Jesus is alive and he's here forevermore and he's coming back. That's the only breaking news I need to know. Church, get off Facebook. Get on his book. Get your face in his book and learn what's good, what is true, what is noble, what is praiseworthy. Because when I'm here, I'm injecting my spirit with peace. I'm injecting my spirit with grace and with power and with goodness. And when evil comes, I can stand and say, not today, Satan. Not today. Because I'm here. I have in me the power of the Holy Ghost is with me. And if it's with me who can be against me somebody anybody how to give God some praise in this place I want to thank you for listening today and I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God and uh, hope to see you soon